Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Wednesday, August 31st. Did you know that Tether, which is a stablecoin that trades under the ticker USDT, T as in Tether, is the third largest digital token by market value? Or that it's one of the most actively traded tokens in the entire crypto ecosystem? Unlike some of its volatile counterparts, or shall we say more volatile counterparts, Tether comes with two promises. First, that each Tether has a stable value, and that value is $1. And second, that each of these tokens, or tethers, is backed by a real asset, like the dollar, or a similarly liquid and reliable financial product, like a bond issued by the US government. But those promises haven't always been kept. And that's something that keeps Tether in the crosshairs of regulatory scrutiny and investor speculation. Bloomberg reporter Emily Nicole joins me now for the latest on Tether and its asset reserves. It's that murky grey area of what happens to the token while it's out in the crypto ether that regulators are concerned about. Emily, before we dive into Tether, let's let's step back. Let's ignore recent history with regulation and algorithmic stablecoin collapses. And let's just start from a place of what is a plain vanilla stablecoin? Why are these digital assets important in the crypto market? At present, Tether is around 44% of all stablecoins in the market, and that entire sector is about $150 billion. Um, and it's mostly used by traders to kind of act as either a store of wealth if they're trying to get out of volatile prices elsewhere so they can, you know, keep their money in crypto without having to be exposed to the downsides of crypto. Um, but mm -hmm. they're also often used as well as a means of, for example, if you wanted to pay someone some cash and not be exposed to volatility that side. Um, and if you are listening to this podcast, you'll know that we've spoken about bridges before, uh, which are platforms that help crypto traders move a token from one blockchain to another when those different blockchains obviously can't you know, interact with each other as easily. And so stablecoins can be a way around that, right? You could, for example, use your Bitcoin, buy a ton of Tether or USDT um, and have that dollar value of your crypto stay solid while you're then trying to put that back into another crypto token like Ethereum. Got it. So let's actually talk about Tether. Like, why are they the, the biggest currently? Where did the, Where do they come from and where are they going? So Tether is one of the oldest stablecoins around, and that is one of the reasons why I, I think it is one of the most popular still today. It was kind of been around since, I think, about 2015, 2017 in, in, in 
in large amounts anyway, um, and has been progressively getting bigger ever since. So even if we think about just the last year alone, at the start of 2021, Tether's entire market cap was about 20 billion in a, in a sector of stable coins that was 28 billion. So its dominance was even bigger then. And now it's uh, got a stable market capitalization of about 66 billion. That's about three times bigger than it was at the start of last year. Um, and that growth is largely because at the same time as Tether has been growing, so has all of crypto, right? People have become more familiar with how to use crypto. They've become more aware of tokens other than Bitcoin. And so, and particularly as well, actually, as the, the market sentiment has changed around crypto, we've gone from a bear market to a bull market to a bear market again. All of these things mean that as uh, traders are getting more comfortable with making riskier bets or get, wanting to cash out of the market when it's becoming more volatile, stable coins are mm -hmm. a source of uh, safety in that. So you would expect to see a direct correlation between volatility in other parts of the crypto market and sort of investors or speculators piling into stable coins like Tether. Yeah, so if you look at the total market cap of all stable coins over the last year, you would see a pretty steady incline going up over the last year or so because as even as crypto became more volatile and Bitcoin came down from its peak last November, people were still moving into stable coins. So those those numbers were still going up even if if steadily. Um, but that's not to say that they're, you know, impervious and they do have their own market events. So in May, you'd see that line actually go off a bit of a steep cliff because one of the biggest experiments in how stablecoins maintain their dollar value, a stablecoin called Terra USD, it collapsed in on itself and is now worth next to nothing. Everybody lost a bit of confidence in the stablecoin market and it hasn't actually really recovered since. Now, stablecoins like Tether have to have reserves of assets that are themselves reliably going to be worth sort of a one-to-one -one value of the number of tethers in circulation. So if there's 180 billion stable coins in circulation or whatever the number might be, then there's got to be somewhere in hopefully not suitcases or mattresses, but like, you know, in, in fairly legitimate custodial arrangements, $180 billion worth of assets. Is that correct? Yeah, so for the collateralized stablecoins anyway, as I called them earlier, so that's Tether, that's Circles USDC, um, they rely on reserves of, of assets to keep that peg. And that's usually cash, cash equivalents, but not always are those assets, you know, the kinds of highly liquid assets that, you know, you'd see in a bank, which is why they are different from banks, right? They're not actually banks because of that, um, or at least not all of them anyway. Um, and... When we look at these reserves, that's how we can tell, you know, for example, if if I was want somebody who wanted to buy some USDT or some USDC, um, I could then look at the reserves and see, okay, well, I know that they had, you know, this much in cash, this much in US Treasury bills, this much in commercial paper in the reserve. And you can kind of make a bit of a, an educated guess about, you know, whether or not you think it'd be safe to put a certain amount of money to that company and get their tokens back and hopefully at some point in the future then be able to do the reverse and get your cash back at the end of it. So what's been the problem with Tether's reserves? So at present, Tether files attestations on its reserves quarterly. They come from an accountancy partner that it has set up and that accountancy partner has changed over time. Originally, back when these documents first started to come out, they'd kind of come out on an ad hoc basis around 2018. But in February 2021, 
Tether entered into settlement with the New York Attorney General alongside its sister crypto exchange Bitfinex because uh, the New York Attorney General had accused Tether of lying about its reserves and the two settled on those charges. And I want to read from that settlement agreement or at least, you know, from at least the, the New York Attorney general side because it was pretty it was pretty aggressive <laughs> from from New York it said and this is a statement from New York attorney general Letitia James Bitfinex and Tether recklessly and unlawfully covered up massive financial losses to keep their scheme going and protect their bottom lines Tether's claim that its virtual currency was fully backed by US dollars at all times was a lie in response to that statement from the New York attorney general you know Tether said that they share a goal of transparency, of oh, they share the Attorney General's goal of increasing transparency. But they also said, and I quote, contrary to online speculation, after two and a half years, there was no finding that Tether ever issued Tethers without backing or to manipulate crypto prices. When we say they accused them of lying, they, they straight up did accuse them of lying. Tether, of course, came back and what did, you know, what did they do in response? In response to to those accusations, Tether has now started to file those attestations quarterly and they've been coming from uh, accountancy firms kind of around the world. The first partner was a company called Moore um, and then they started using a Cayman Islands accountancy firm called MHA Cayman for two attestations. And then most recently in July, they said they'd switched to using another firm called BDO, specifically its Italian subsidiary. Um, and each time these accounting firms have gotten you know, slightly bigger in size, BDO is the fifth largest accounting network in the world. But ultimately, all these attestations are are an agreement by an accountancy firm to say, you know, Tether's accountants presented us with these figures. They presented us with a set of their accounting policies that are set by Tether management. And we agree that these figures roughly meet the accounting policies that Tether says it meets. It doesn't actually, you know, take a look at the data underneath the numbers. They don't go into someone's bank account and poke around and say, yeah, that's, that looks about right. Um, and that's the difference between an attestation and a full audit, which Tether has yet to have. But some of its rivals do have. Circle has been having annual audits now for, for a while. You know, I think it was maybe in June that Circle's CFO, Jeremy Fox Gein, put out a statement that Circle's financial statements were being audited annually and that they have those monthly attestations. Okay, so great. So it sounds like all of these stablecoin folks have now said, hey, here's our stuff. Why are people still worried about the assets that these firms say they are backed by if there's all of this paperwork floating around? I think one of the biggest concerns is that these are still pretty much unregulated markets from a crypto perspective, right? Be Once you, for example, if you if you give a dollar to Tether and Tether then gives you one USDT in return, it will have some kind of track record of that purchase happening. But once the USDT mm -hmm. is out in the open, it stops paying attention. So where those tokens then go, that's less of a, of a clear market. And the problem is, is that these tokens, even after they've passed beyond the realm of being controllable or um, having any kind of scrutiny over them by the issuers themselves, they can be used for whatever and then brought back to an issuer and exchanged again for a dollar and you get your dollar back. And so it's that murky grey area of what happens to the token while it's out in the crypto ether that regulators are concerned about. So 
particularly after the crash of Terra USD earlier this year as well, where around $40 billion in stablecoin collateral was lost. Regulators have been moving faster on putting in place rules and uh, regulations for what stablecoin issuers need to do in order to assure customers that they do have that money and assure regulators too, right? Um, And they'll also Mm -hmm. have to hold only certain types of assets in the reserves. So, you know, you can't be holding anything too risky. It needs to be stuff that's relatively liquid so that if there was any kind of bank run on your token, you could meet redemptions quickly, easily and at a dollar. We'll be right back with more from Bloomberg's Emily Nicole about Tether's reserves and what ties, if any, it had to China. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. So in terms of things that are perceived as risky, you know, there's been this like persistent drumbeat for years that Tether holds Chinese commercial paper and specifically lower quality, higher risk Chinese commercial paper as part of its reserves. Tether came out recently and flat out said, we don't have any of that. Is, you know, what's what's been going on there? Where did that speculation come from? Well, it should be interesting to note that when they said that recently, they said we don't hold any commercial paper right now. So they never said, you know, we don't hold any and we never have. Um, right. But uh, so this kind of speculation had been around for, as you said, a few years. And then our colleague Zeke Fox did an investigation into Tether's commercial paper paper trail, I guess you'd call it. He wanted to find out, you know, exactly where the money would lead. And it did lead in his findings to China. There was some paper in there that was of Chinese origins. The reason why this is concerning is because at the time, Tether was purportedly backing its dollar-pegged token with commercial paper from a region where they were not using dollars. So if mm-hmm. you were running, wondering about, you know, if there was a bank run on Tether 
and it was going you you know people were piling into tether's website and saying i want my dollars back and it was going to have to cash out of some of these positions particularly with the state of the market at that time in china where some of the people who might have owned that commercial paper were in distressed positions they wouldn't have been able to you know give tether's money back immediately that could have then mm-hmm. culminated in a situation where tether wasn't able to redeem the amount of dollars coming in we also saw at the start of 2020 during the pandemic the commercial paper market itself melted down and so that pro- pro- added more fuel to the fire of you know whether commercial paper should be considered an asset that is liquid enough to support something like a stablecoin so in the US stablecoin bill there is expected to be requirements around what kind of assets these stablecoin providers can hold and commercial paper is likely to be singled out as one that is is not permitted Absolutely. And in that same blog post where as you note they say they hold no Chinese commercial paper and as of today they've re- they're reducing their exposure overall, they also say that they plan to reduce their exposure to commercial paper to zero by the end of October early November 2022. Regulators have been paying a lot of attention to stablecoins and it you know it it really strikes me that so much of what folks have been talking about folks have been talking about for a long time, right? Like it's not that we woke up in March of 2022 when everything was going down with with Luna etc and we're like wow this this seems like an area of concern it's that people have been concerned for ages what about the events of this year in particular do you think have like finally started to accelerate that conversation in the UK for instance so in the UK it's kind of as you put it those stablecoin conversations have been happening for a while they want to make sure that stablecoin issuers that could present bankruptcy risks are given certain provisions so in may when luna mm-hmm. started to to fall apart and terra usd collapsed um the uk started thinking about things like bespoke insolvency arrangements so that if a stablecoin were to get big enough that it was to present a systemic risk to the uk economy they could step in and help keep that stablecoin not afloat but still exchangeable um in in mm-hmm. payments companies you know if you, if i was going to a shop and i wanted to buy an orange for a pound but using whatever stablecoin it was that was crashing i could still do that even if the stablecoin itself was going through bankruptcy proceedings at present though the bank of england has said there are no stablecoins that are big enough to meet that not even tether and i think that's that's an important point right which is a lot of the regulatory framework is in response to the actual fact of the collapse of an algorithmic stablecoin which is different from the collateralized stablecoins that we're talking about and the perceived risk in the future of one of these collateralized stablecoins really you know sort of bad things happening to them but at at the time that we're talking we don't have a current example of a stablecoin like you know tether itself is not on a downward trajectory that is specifically worrying regulators right now mhm because for example when so when luna crashed tether lost about uh, 20 billion of its market cap but it's it's slowly going back towards that um and even now if we think about like these is as you said these rules were created for a company the size of Meta so they were created mm-hmm. for a token to be as is systemic as you know the fact that everybody has a Facebook product on their mobile phone and we have yet to have crypto or stablecoins reach that level so in certain places anyway the rules are a little bit uh, further out of reach of the market at present perhaps for the good <laughs> so well thank you so much Emily for joining us really appreciate you taking the time Thanks for having me. 
You can find more of Emily Nicole's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com or follow her on Twitter at Emily J. Nicole. That's N-I-C-O-L-L-E. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, teamed up with the crypto exchange Coinbase in a move that both Wall Street and crypto types are watching pretty closely, not least because of the challenges that Coinbase has faced recently. We'll dive into the latest on the partnership and what this all might mean for both Wall Street and crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at Crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Mohamed Farouk. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.